Text Talks could not be prouder to be collaborating with Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies this season. This season is all about inclusion, all about providing a platform, and all about the music. We are teaming up with one of the world's most iconic brands, which, for the first time, is teaming up with one of the world's most iconic festivals. We could not be more stoked to be jumping on the Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies train to bring you an all-woman lineup for the first time across all our seasons. So remember to keep walking towards love, keep walking towards the future, keep walking towards music as we prep you for what's bound to be the biggest festival of the year. Head on over to rockingthedaisies.com to find out more about the future of music festivals in Africa. Get those last-minute festival tips, merch, and soak up every little bit of excitement that Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies has to offer. And today I am talking to the cellist and singer of a group who represent the modern sound of the UK, diverse, subtly experimental and committed to pop music as a joyfully unifying force. With a debut single that set Mozart's melodies to crisp dance beats, their taste for fusion goes even further, encompassing deep house, R&B, dance hall and adventurous electronic details. I am, of course, talking about Grace Chatto from Clean Bandit. Grace, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, it's only a pleasure. It's only. A, I'm glad that you're good. I'm glad that you're good. Where, where in the world are you at the moment? Because I know that you're in the thick of things with touring lately, and we've been trying to get you on the call. But you know, first I was sick, and then you had computer issues and now we're here thankfully <laughs> but where are you in the world at the moment yeah I'm happy that we're finally here um <laughs> I'm I'm actually in France now in, I've I've got a place here um in the forest in the south of France and um oh beautiful yeah we've just been we've done millions of festivals uh mainly in the UK but recently around uh europe as well um so i've just taken a moment to come down here for a few days <laughs> i mean that it must be incredibly what's the word i'm looking for uh you know a little bit of a shock to your system getting back on the road post covid has it been has it been an easy or a difficult adjustment getting back on stage? Um, it's been quite easy, actually. We were all so missing it so much. We were gagging to get back on the stage. So it's been actually much more fun than I think it's ever been, actually, this summer. Because we did, we over the years, we've done so much touring Um and we used to overdo it a bit, like we'd do just way too many festivals <laughs> and um, kind of way too much partying and we'd just tire ourselves out. But this summer it's been so, um, I guess we've appreciated it so much more and we've kind of spread them out a little bit 
And yeah, before we come out to to South Africa, we we've got a few weeks off. So by the time we get there, I think we'll be raring to go again. <laughs> a few weeks off to recharge your batteries before you hit Johnny Walker rocking the daisies, which we're going to get to. We're going to talk about just now, but. What's it been like to feed off the crowd again? Because uh, you, your shows, they, are, they look so energetic and your audiences are so incredibly responsive. Has it been overwhelming at all or have you just been soaking up every second of it? Yeah, more that, just soaking it up. It's been just so beautiful um, seeing everyone's faces smiling and singing back the words and that's something I'd I'd kind of forgotten how it felt or even I'd started to like take it for granted maybe because we were doing it for so many years so often (laughs) and then when Mm. with that enforced stop um it's just yeah it's just uh, encouraged me to kind of open my eyes more and really, yeah, soak up every moment. And yeah, last weekend we were in Romania, uh, where I've never been in my life and may have never gone were it not for these songs taking us there. And um, the crowd was just so beautiful and the energy was so amazing. And yeah, every time it it just makes me feel so good just that connection yeah through the music i think over my career interviewing musicians about where they've toured up to obscure places all over the world um you know that that's some of the most interesting conversations that i've had when when i ask people about you know so tell me about an interesting place where you performed or one of your most memorable trips and i saw that you recently played a show in egypt on a stage that was built in front of the pyramids I mean, how does that come about? Like, how do you play in front of one of the most iconic backdrops on earth? It was insane. And I don't <laughs> even know how it came about. But my uh, Our live agent just um, messaged me and said, uh, do you want to play in Egypt, um, in Cairo? And it just said, venue, the pyramids. <laughs> And I said, yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, And we, yeah, we had the best time there because we arrived the night before and normally all of our engineers, the lighting and sound engineers go and set up the night before. But I went with them because I was just so excited to see the pyramids. So we were there at like 3 a.m. and it was just us and the pyramids <laughs> and it was such a crazy experience and they'd set up the lighting uh and they let me go on the lighting desk so I could like change the colors of the pyramids wow. and it was just such a special experience so from Egypt to Romania to Cape Town eventually <laughs> when when you get the call right or the email or the text that you're playing at Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies, which is 
our best festival in the country, hands down. What is your initial reaction when you get told that? Well, I was so happy. Um, We've wanted to come out there for ages. And um, yeah, I didn't actually know much about the festival beforehand, but then I was looking up and it just looks incredible. Mm -hmm. And um, my first thought was that we have to stay out there um, for at least a week, maybe two weeks afterwards, because the there are so many musicians um in south africa that we would love to work with so we're going to stay out and and write um with various exciting writers um so that's that's uh, going to be a big part of it too so that's very exciting because when I interview international acts that are on their way to South Africa or have been to South Africa, you know, we always chat about, I ask about what are you most looking forward to to doing, to seeing, but really there there's no better way to get in touch with what makes a country tick than to get involved with the art scene, with the musicians. So the fact that you're going to get into studio or have writing sessions with musicians from South Africa is very exciting without giving too much away, especially if you can't talk about it. What can you talk about with regards to that? Um, well, we're going to be uh, writing for a few days in Cape Town and then a few days in Johannesburg as well. Um, so yeah, a bunch of really different musical styles in each uh, in each city um one of the artists that i i really love at the moment is costa titch Um, so i'm really hoping to connect with him and then we're going to be writing with um noble who are uh, producer songwriters um that we're really excited about but uh, but quite a few others. And yeah, I don't really know what I'm allowed to mention or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I actually spoke to Noble on this podcast last month and they're just the most fantastic guys. They've got great energy. Oh, really? they, they have an in- amazing ideas and the songs that they're writing at the moment, I would stick my neck out and say, it's it's a it's at the pinnacle it's at the forefront of south african pop at the moment i mean they make great pop music but they're they're writing with i'm a piano artist and they're writing with other electronic artists and you you know it's it's really interesting with a production duo when they and a songwriting duo when they put their eggs in multiple baskets so it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of that that's yeah, yeah. that sounds exciting yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, we're so obsessed with with the Ama piano sounds. Um, we've been like making a few songs um, with Ama piano artists in the UK, but it will be so so great to come there and actually work with people on the ground at the starting of this sound. A hundred percent. The music aside, what else are you 
looking forward to doing in South Africa? Is there maybe a specific site that you want to see or activity that you've heard of doing that you've like, okay, I'm written this down on my bucket list? Um, well, I adore Cape Town. I've been before. Um, I've got a really close friend, actually, who I studied with at music college in Moscow um, when we were 18. And um, we were kind of two of the only non-Russian people there. <laughs> and we we really bonded from the start and we lived together. So I'm really excited to see her again. But I visited her before in Cape Town and, and we went on the safari as well, which was incredible. And I know um, the rest of my my band are really keen to do that. Um, and yeah, I really fell in love with some cafes in Cape Town that I have to revisit. I'm going to have to look them up to remember the names. So while we're on the subject of cute little cafes that you want to look up while you're in Cape Town, can you remember what those either were called or where there are? Because I'm not sure when you were here the last time, but there is so much to do because Cape Town is constantly changing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it was in Camps Bay, one of them, I remember, but I can't remember the name. Um, I need to actually check with my ex-boyfriend because he <laughs> he knew all the places <laughs> and he was taking me. Um, so yeah, I'll need to ask need to ask him. But I remember there just being so many like delicious, healthy like breakfast spots that we adored, and so much great coffee. Um, yeah, but I can't remember. I'm afraid exact locations. But that's fine because, like I said, Cape Town has changed so much since you were last here and has actually gotten way more health conscious in the last few years. So if like tasty, healthy breakfasts and snacks are your thing, you're going to have a field day in town, specifically yeah. in town. Camps Bay, is, like, Camps Bay is really beautiful. And when you're here, fingers crossed, hopefully the weather will be great. So, you know, you'll be able to like spend some time at the beach or by the beachfront. But if you can try and explore like areas of town as well, because they're they're really cute, like nooks and crannies and 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 little um, streets in Cape Town that have like really beautiful houses and architecture. So it'd be nice to if it's if it's nice weather while you're here, you know, to do a little bit of a walk as well. Now, you know, I don't have you here for a long time. Um, but I hope, hopefully I have you on this podcast for a good time. But what we like to do here at Text Talks, right, is we like to look back at the early days of our guests' careers. And, and when I checked the release date for Mozart's House, <laughs> which was back mm -hmm. in 2010, I was like, yeah. what? There was no way that it was that long ago. And, like, you guys went viral with that track before, before going viral was even a thing. What do you remember <laughs> about that time? I mean, I'm sure it was a blur, but I'm sure that there were peaks that you remember over that crazy period. Yeah, I can't believe it's so long ago. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was such an exciting time because 
we'd made Mozart's house probably in 2008, actually. Oh, wow. And we'd had it just sitting on MySpace, uh, just the song, and no one was really listening. And then we, we've always been obsessed with films and making little films, and we decided to make a music video for that song. And when we put that on YouTube, it went kind of viral and... Um, that was just amazing. And we started, that's really what threw us into making music videos. And, and we've always kind of treated the music videos as important as the music mm. and probably spent more time on them, actually. Um, but it's so crazy now because um, we're kind of trying, having to like unlearn a lot of stuff the way that we operated then because everything with TikTok and stuff is so different and music videos aren't so much of a thing. So our record label aren't really allowing us to spend months on a music video now um, like they used to love us to do. <laughs> so we're kind of focusing on the music more and not... Um, not really having as much time to make the, the film side of it, which is a shame because looking back on those days, like some of the most crazy adventures we had were making the music videos. Um, that Mozart's house we made in Moscow and then uh, Rather Be we made in Japan. And it was just me and Jack and Luke and our camera. And um, we didn't speak any Japanese. <laughs> And it was just so exciting uh, making that that little film. And it was like, no one knew the song was going to be a hit. And we just kind of we went around the fish market and we were kind of illegally filming, actually, because we didn't know how to get a <laughs> permit and we didn't speak Japanese. <laughs> so we just were kind of hiding the camera under, our, under Jack's coat <laughs> and uh, just filming stuff and... And we made so many incredible friends there, people who took part in the music video. And now whenever we go back to Japan, we, we, we hook up with them. And the videos have just taken us to so many places. So when I look back at, at that time, I feel kind of nostalgic about, about that. But also when Mozart's house did go a bit viral, it was just so exciting because partly because of the strings element in it mm. and that well the fact that we were sampling Mozart um I think was just it was so unexpected for people and and we really felt a, a kind of buzz and an energy when we were performing it live which was just in nightclubs and stuff at that time and people were so surprised to see the violins and cellos plugged into the laptop and having the kind of electronic manipulation of, of the of the wooden instruments. You know, I read and and I love the story that you were hounding MTV to play your video. And they basically said that they wouldn't play it until you got some radio play first. So you found a, a plugger and paid him the equivalent of a month's rent. And we're talking London rent, which is notoriously high, but clearly it worked. So 
Do you remember hearing Mozart's house on the radio for the first time? Because that must have been such a massive achievement, especially after MTV. We're like, mm, no, <laughs> no, not really, not right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think the goal was still to get it on MTV. So to hear it on the radio was like, okay, we're one step further, further towards getting the video on on MTV and. Um, yeah, it's always wild hearing the songs on the radio, even now. Um, it's very odd, especially if I'm in a taxi or something and and um, like our faces aren't that well known. So sometimes I say to the driver, oh, we wrote this song and they just think that I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. When you mentioned Rather Be, and I want to go back to that because that was such a watershed moment in your career. And when that opening melody kicks in at Johnny Walker Rockin' the Daisies, I know people are going to lose their minds. But at the time when it was released, I didn't know that it became the fastest selling song in the UK in 18 years. And if if that wasn't dope enough, you end that year, I think that was 2014, with Rather Be being the second best-selling song in the UK. And it's crazy <laughs> to look at the charts and see that, like, the only other person that sold more singles that year was Pharrell with Happy. <laughs> I love that. I think, <laughs> I, think that that is, I think that that is great. But, but how, how special is that song to you now for whatever reason yeah it really did change our lives um it just took us all over the world and um it's a very kind of pure song and um i think it was a very it really worked uh how the kind of strings melody interplayed with the electronic sounds. And that's mm. really what we strive for always, like the kind of juxtaposition of um, of electronics with acoustic instruments. And um, sometimes it works better than other times. <laughs> and that time <laughs> it really, yeah, it really worked. And um I really hear so much of my bandmate Jack Patterson in that in that song. Um, whereas recently, the, as more the more that years go by, we collaborate with more and more other writers, and we tend to like, especially with singers that feature on the song, we try and get them to like write well not try and get and they want to write their own lyrics and we kind of collaborate a lot more and we also write with loads of different lyricists and songwriters um which is incredible but back then it was much more insular uh so i feel that that's a, a really kind of a, a very pure clean bandit song um because jess glynn um we kind of approached her after it was it was 
uh, written and produced and um, yeah and then she jumped on it and her voice just kind of transformed it to a whole whole new level. I saw Clean Banded posted a few days ago a video of you guys coming out as a surprise act during a Sean Paul show to do Rockabye and the audience just exploded when you ran out on stage. What do you think it is about that song, quite possibly your biggest song, that, that still resonates so much with people today? Call it love and devotion. Well, I think Sean Paul, anything that Sean Paul does resonates with a lot of people because <laughs> his voice and his energy is just crazy. And then with that one, like the subject matter, I think, is so interesting. Well, so emotional, I think, for a lot of people because we've just received so many letters about being um, raised by a single mother or mm-hmm. or being a single mother and how it's like so many people have related to it in a, and it's kind of I guess an unusual subject in pop music is um, the love between a parent and a child and I think um Sean Paul rapping about single mums <laughs> was just uh, so unexpected, I guess. And people are, yeah, people people liked that, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember Sai's Gangnam Style. I mean, who doesn't? And, and that was the first video to ever crack one million views. And then since then, the Billion Views, Views Club has has grown, but it's still an incredibly elite club, uh, one that Rockabye granted you access to. So I want to know, what happens when you crack a billion views on YouTube? Is there is there an award? Do they throw you a party? You know, do they cut you a fat check? What happens, Grace? What do you get? <laughs> no, nothing. We, we receive <laughs> no. nothing. It passed 2 billion views, actually. Um, And I think it was, um, I I meant to say about the song as well, but also about the video, I think it's really the only kind of political song that we've made and, um, and the video as well. And I think as the years go by that the, the kind of, the sentiment in it is becoming more and more relevant um, in the UK anyway, but I imagine in lots of places across the world, like as um, the kind of system is forgetting uh, those who are less born into less advantaged situations. And um, yeah, I think that's the only song in which we've, tried to kind of approach a topic as serious as that. Sorry, that's actually nothing to do with a billion views. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. But I'm just so stuck on this two billion views, over two billion views, and not even a pluck. Yeah, actually, maybe they must. Oh, I don't know. Um, Spotify gave us that special plate. Shout um, out. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> That was good. 
um, we received. Uh, yeah, when you pass a billion streams on Spotify, you get uh, a big silver plate. So we ate some spaghetti off the plate, <laughs> and we've got three. We've got three now because we got the sim- symphony and rather be. Rather be actually just came um, about two weeks ago. It it passed a billion streams on Spotify, so that was a nice surprise. Uh, eight years on, <laughs> how long it's been? I mean, out of all these awards that you've won and and milestones that you've achieved, I mean, we haven't even spoken about the Grammy Awards. What stands out in your mind as extra special to you? Gosh, I don't know. It's really, it's really hard to say. I think um, the Ivan Novello Awards were the were almost the most meaningful in a way because um, they were about uh, the writing, the composition of the song, and um, they one of one of those was decided by other songwriters um, in the industry. So it just, it felt a very special one and kind of wasn't anything to do with the kind of glitz and glamour of the pop industry and the kind of performance aspect. Um, So that was very, a very special thing for us and very humbling. Um, But, other incredible moments have included um, when we've uh, we arranged our first album for a symphony orchestra, and it was with the uh, BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. We performed pretty much the whole album, and I got to be in the cello section of the orchestra, and Jack um, was playing piano, and Luke was inserted into the percussion uh, section and and all of the singers from all of these different songs came and we performed it live on the radio and that was that was incredible just because of the kind of scale of the of the sound it was amazing a momentous occasion and another momentous occasion will be your headlining performance at Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies, which we are all looking forward to so much. I can't even tell you. Grace, thank you so much for joining me today on Text Talks. Thank it's been you. An absolute I'm so excited time. as well. <laughs> can't <laughs> wait to have you in Cape Town. Can't wait to see you on stage. Thank you again. Yeah, I can't wait to be there, literally. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and research and associate producer Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side. A huge shout out to Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies, South Africa's biggest music and lifestyle festival. Remember to follow Text Talks on socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcast on. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's text with a double X.